Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Shark Manure Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to have Dr. Gleb Sapersky back. Dr. Gleb is one of a very small number of people we have had on the show twice. Now, you're going to know why in just a minute. He was on earlier this year with his book about the COVID pandemic, and the book had come out literally a couple months into the pandemic, um, which is incredible. And he told the story of how I got it done so fast. And the when I read it, I knew I had to have him on. And then when he told me about his next, the other, his other book, one of many, I said, we got to have you back. This is never go with your gut, how pioneering leaders make the best decisions and avoid business disasters. So um, you can't see it, but mine is dog-eared, highlighted, very well used, as yours should be as well. So um, Dr. Gleb, first of all, thanks so much for coming back. Thank you for inviting me back. I'm glad that the book, the first interview was helpful and that this book was helpful. Excellent. Oh, absolutely. And some of the other folks who agree with us include Al Reyes from the best-selling author of 22 Immutable Laws of Branding, Brian Tracy, who everyone who listens to our show knows, yep. Marshall Goldsmith. Um, so a household name list of luminaries have agreed with us about uh, Never Go With Your Gut. What inspired you to write it? And people say it's a cliche. You talk about it. Go with your gut all the time. Why is that wrong? Well, it's wrong because our gut is actually not adapted for the modern world. I mean, how many people adapted well to the pandemic, right? We just had a huge pandemic and we made such bad decisions around the pandemic. People did not prepare for it well. Plenty of people are still making bad decisions around it. Our gut reactions don't react well to modern world problems. Pandemic is not something you had for when our gut is adapted for, which is the savanna environment. That environment when we lived in small tribes of 15 people to 150 people were hunters, foragers, and gatherers. Our gut reactions, our intuitions, what people call your heart, what Tony Robbins tells us to be primal, be savage, or Malcolm Gladwell tells us to blink, make your decisions a blink of an eye. I'm sorry, but that's completely wrong. That's not what the research shows. The research shows that if we make those decisions, we'll be making decisions in the same way we made them in the savanna environment with our gut intuitions. That's not a good fit for the modern world. We're not facing the same sort of threats. We're not facing the same sort of situations. That is not a good way to go. So that's what uh, the why, why we should know for to go with our gut. What inspired me to write it is hearing people say, go with your gut, trust your heart, and Tony Robbins and so on all of these folks, it's really bad advice. And I've seen so many people suffer so much because they went with their gut and they made terrible life choices. 
Okay, so if we're not going to go with our gut, well, first of all, let's talk about the difference between the savanna environment and what we're facing now. You say our gut hasn't evolved in tens of thousands, however many years from the savanna environment. So what are some of those key differences that are causing us to make decisions that would have been right 10,000 years ago facing a saber-toothed tiger, but are no longer accurate and are in fact doing us a disservice? One of the decisions has to do with the saber-toothed tiger. So I'll take about, talk about two types of decisions that are big, big broad frameworks of decisions. One is facing a saber-toothed tiger. That's the kind of risks we faced in the savanna environment. They were intense, immediate, in-the-moment risks, like saber-toothed tigers, exactly as you say. That is what we faced back then. But that's not what we face right now. Well, the fight or flight response is my, how you might have heard us. So there's the saber-toothed tiger reaction when we had to jump at 100 shadows to get away from that one saber-toothed tiger. That was great in the savannah environment. And you know what? It's still functional in, in certain environments today. When you see a bus battling down at you, you don't want to stand and think there, you know, maybe it's going to miss me by a foot or so. <laughs> that is not the time to stand there. You've got to get yourself out of the way of the bus. Or, you know, if uh, you see a, a object flying at your head. It might be a bird that will swerve around your head, or it might be a baseball. Better duck. That's great. That's everyday life situations. But what we tend to do is we react with a fight or flight response when we face other threats in the business environment. So let's say we get an email with some disappointing news about a contract that we failed to secure. So let's say, what's sure, the tendency? Sure, we can all relate to that one. Exactly. What's the tendency? Well, if you have more of the fight response, and there are some people who have more of the fight response, and that's definitely me, the tendency is to write back, say, why didn't you give me this contract? This is, a, you really made a mistake. That's not great. Uh, then the, this is not a good response to that sort of situations, right? You don't want the fight response to somebody who you can cultivate later and get a contract later. You want to have a nice, kind, empathetic response. That is not, somebody wrote you an email, they knew they were disappointing you, right? So that you need to have empathy, you need to have that connection to build a relationship, continue cultivating it. That is a learned habit. That's not something that's intuitive. Now, the other type of response, the flight response in that situation would be to ignore the email and to ignore the person, not to write back and to ignore the email or ignore the person. You have this ugh feeling, you have this avoidance feeling toward it. Again, that's not a good idea. If you are a finalist for a contract, that means that you might very well get a contract the next time around or you know, in a, in a couple of cycles. You want to keep cultivating that relationship and that's a very difficult thing to do for people who have the flight response too. So that's an example of very many dynamics where in the modern environment, we don't react well to threats, just like the pandemic is a huge, huge threat, but it's slow moving, high impact, long-term. That's not a fight or flight response situation, but people tend to react to it with a fight or flight response. Absolutely. So you talk and you go through in the book so many examples of biases that we have, ways we think that we don't even realize we're thinking. Can you, I mean, obviously, I don't want you spilling the secret sauce. I want everybody to um, go get the book, but can you share? Do the, you have an incredible example here about a coin flip? Mm -hmm. Sure. So let's say somebody tells sure. you, I'll go, in the, go with the coin flip. So let's say that somebody tells you, hey, here is $100. I'm going to give you $100. Now, would you like to pay me $100? Would you like to give me back that $100? If on a coin flip, you can win that, you can win of not simply the $100, but another $150. 
if you will hit the head. So, and if you get tails, you'll just give, you'll will lose that hundred dollars. Now, many people think about that. Where will you be? Do you want to give up that hundred dollars for a chance to win two hundred fifty dollars, or do you want to keep your hundred dollars? Take a second to think about that. And what I'll tell you is that what most people say is that they prefer to keep their $100. They don't want to take the risk of losing $100 for the sake of gaining $250 on a coin flip. That's what most people say. About 80% of the populations, that's what they say, including business leaders. When I ask that in groups of CEO, peer executives, when I present to Vistage, entrepreneurs organizations groups, that's kind of with the same breakdown. So 70 to 80% say they want to keep the $100. But think about the long-term impacts of that. You, that's, you're essentially giving up a chance to get $250 so that, for a coin flip. So think about 50, what is 50% chance of winning $250. That's $125. So you are giving up a chance to buy with $100 a chance of the $125. That's the trade-off. And if you make that same decision over the long term, you keep making that decision. Your whole life is really a series of coin flips. Think about a week. You maybe have 10 coin flips like that. And think about a month. You maybe have you know, you know, 50 coin flips like that or a year or your whole life. Your whole life is consistent of 100,000 of those coin flips. And you keep giving up that opportunity to win an extra $25 that is, of course, $2.5 million worth of money that you're giving up. That is a tendency that's called loss aversion. We tend to avoid losses, like giving up $100, rather than gaining much higher gains for an essential gain of $25, $125. That's what we tend to do. We don't want losses. When this, in the Savannah environment, this made a lot of sense. In the Savannah environment, we needed to preserve our resources. We couldn't invest resources for the future. We couldn't really preserve our, you know, kill the mammoth, couldn't preserve the meat, right? So it didn't, it didn't make sense to preserve resources. So we need to be very resource oriented in the moment. In the modern environment, we can of course invest our resources, keep getting that money, investing in, invest in professional development, you know, listening to this podcast, getting professional development, you're, you know, read the book, never go with your gut, how pioneering leaders make the best decisions invest in yourself and your company, but that's not what our gut feels. Our gut tells us to not take this risk, even though it's very much of a warranted risk. Loss aversion, people tend to think of these examples of this coin flip as a one-off, and they really shouldn't. This is a policy question. You need to institute a policy where if you see that the risk is warranted, just purely mathematically, just calculate it out you definitely should take that risk because you need to override your gut on this one. This is not a time to ride your gut, to trust your gut. We're trying to take the emotion out of the decision. You talk about yeah. a famous example of companies that had fired their CEOs for what you call, one of the words you use, I believe, is denying reality. What is it? Yes. Tell us a little bit about what that means. So there was a study of 1,087 board members of companies that fired their CEOs. And the study and big examined companies the that should be smart. Yes. Yep. And it evaluated why the CEOs were fired. Over a fifth of them, 23% were fired for denying reality, denying negative facts about the world around them. 
And I'll give you an example, a big, very prominent one. You should know this one. Let's talk about Boeing, right? So Boeing, when Boeing's airplanes were grounded, they were just in the news for, you know, finally after 20 months, the planes were let the FAA- The issue was fixed, yes. Yeah, the issue was fixed, the FAA approved it. Now, when they were first grounded in March, 2019, in the CEO, Dennis Muhlenberg said that in May, everything will be fixed. Two months, everything will be fine in May. End of May was approaching. He was like, okay, no, it's not going to be fixed by the end of May. Definitely by the end of the summer. Everything will be fixed by the end of the summer. The FAA will approve it. You know, it's getting August, no, not happening. And so he said, okay, definitely by the end of the year, totally, absolutely by the end of the year, we'll be flying. It's getting into late December. Nothing is happening. He said, well, we'll be flying by March. Can guarantee that. And the board fired him. <laughs> and it specifically said it fired him because of his excessive optimism and his denying of the reality of the situation, which cost Boeing a lot of money because, and a lot of confidence, a lot of trust. It wasn't simply the screw-ups in the first place that caused the crash of the 737 MAX. It was also Boeing's failure to adapt and recover effectively where they constantly raised expectation, failed to meet expectations. That looks terrible. That's very bad for their reputation, bad for their profit. And so that is an example of that everyone should know of how a CEO was fired for denying reality. All right, now in the book, I don't want you to give them all away because I want everyone to go get it. But you do have um, what I thought was incredibly helpful, 12 techniques to address dangerous judgment errors. Would you mind sharing just a few of those with us is stopgap measures we could use to avoid going with our gut now until we get the book? Of course. So one of the techniques is something that I already talked about just now, probabilistic thinking. So probabilistic thinking is where you actually multiply out probabilities about reality. Our gut reaction doesn't deal well with shades of gray. It's a binary approach, fight or flight, approach or avoid, like or dislike. When, so when we try to make more, a little bit more nuanced and complex decisions and figure out what is reality actually like, it's often not binary. It's much more, rather than black and white, it's shades of gray. So what you need to do is figure out what are the probabilities involved. So for example, when you're looking at, we'll talk, talk about COVID since that's in the news. When you think about vaccine uh, options, vaccine scenarios, what do those look like for you? Well, how, low, how effective will the government be at producing, managing the production of, uh, COVID, of the COVID vaccines, managing the distribution of it, and actual vaccination of people? Now, very hopeful estimates say that vaccine will be widely available you know, by the end of April for every American. That's a very optimistic estimate. <laughs> then there are more, much more realistic estimates that it will be widely available by middle of summer. And there are pessimistic estimates that suggest it's going to be widely available by the end of fall next year. And you want to not simply go with your gut and say, it'll be definitely available by you know, early, by the summer or by the fall or something like that. You want to calculate what are the actual probabilities, look at the evidence, look at the information and calculate what that looks like. What are the scenarios and what will you do in each scenario? So you could say something like maybe there's 10% probability it will be widely available by April 1st for everyone. And there's something like 70% probability that it will be available between April 1st and uh, the August 31st. 
and then the remaining 20% that will be available, widely available by the end of November. And that will mean very different things for your business, for your career. You want to calculate what are the probabilities and what each of those means for your business. So that's kind of one approach. The same thing you can approach it on right now, on interaction you're having with a sale. It's very often that folks in sales are very optimistic about their ability to make a sale, especially as it comes closer to the end of the month and you need to hear, you need to hit your quarter, you need to hit your monthly target, right? Very optimistic that you'll make a sale. And you want to know that, how optimistic are you? So calculate the probability, you know, for this sale, let's say I'm 80% confident I'll make the sale. And then see if when you feel 80% confident, put a number on it, specific number on it. Then when you feel 80% confident, do you actually in fact make, make the sale four out of five times? <laughs> if you don't, that means that your confidence is misplaced, you're miscalculating and you need to adjust and calibrate yourself so you can more effectively make decisions and that you definitely wanna do that. You don't want to raise expectations for yourself. All right, that makes a lot of sense. Now, since you brought up COVID as the example and you are the author on it, um, I'll ask you this question without getting too political because it combines two things that we've already talked about. You talked about denying reality. You mm -hmm. talked about um, calculating probabilities. Do you think Trump in part lost his job as CEO of America, as president, because some people will say that he denied how bad COVID was he was very cheerleading and optimistic in terms of when things were gonna get resolved or when things were gonna be happened. Do you think that came into part in how America voted? Well, it's not something about being political at all because you just look at the reports of surveys. And there are many people who are explicitly Republicans, conservative, who say that that's why they voted against Trump. So for example, look at Arizona. You can see a clear voting split where about 100,000 people voted for Republicans down the ticket but they did not, but they voted for Biden over Trump. And a major reason for that, according to their self-reports, were that Trump was not appropriately considering the pandemic and re reacting to it. So it's not anything about being political. It's just looking at the facts and what people are reporting for their voting reasons. It's kind of an analysis of the situation. You don't have to like it. You know, you might be Republican, you might be Democrat, but this is just the reality of the situation and how people responded to their perceptions. And I'm not saying it's the right perception. I'm not saying it's the wrong perception, but it's what people believed. And people don't, be, they don't, people don't vote on the facts. People vote on perceptions, just like people buy. Don't, they're not, they don't buy in the facts, they buy in the perceptions. And that's unfortunately a gut reaction. When people say, I'm gonna vote for the person with whom I can have a beer, I feel like I have a beer, that's a gut reaction vote. That's not a vote that you make because that person will serve your interests or has the right policies at the heart for the country. You feel connected to this person. And that is the tendency to how persuasive people are. That's the polit why politicians spin a lot of stories stories, then one of the cognitive biases I talk in the book about is called the narrative fallacy. So the narrative fallacy. Our brain tends to respond very strongly to stories. We, those stories tend to slip past our evaluation, past our analytical defenses, and very much emotionally impact us. And our emotions are fundamentally important for driving our decision-making. As I talk in the book, about 80 to 90% of our decisions stem from our emotions when we just naturally go forward and make our decisions the way it feels right. 
And that is a big problem for making good decisions because we often don't make good decisions in that setting. That makes uh, complete and total sense. The book is Never Go With Your Gut, How Pioneering Leaders Make the Best Decisions and Avoid Business Disasters with Dr. Gleb Sipersky. Dr. Gleb, where can folks go to get the book and learn more? They can go to my website called disasteravoidanceexperts.com. Of course, it's available in bookstores everywhere. There's an audiobook if you like Audible. So go to Audible, you can get that. Uh, Amazon online, Barnes & Noble, it's also available in Barnes & Noble and physically if you still go to that in the context of the pandemic. But to learn more about me and about the book, you can go to disasteravoidanceexperts.com forward slash nevergut. Again, disasteravoidanceexperts.com forward slash never got. And just the website itself, disasteravoidanceexperts.com has many more blogs, podcasts, videos, white papers, decision aids, manuals, coaching, training, information resources. And finally, I want to let you know that there's a free eight step video course, eight video based modules on making the wisest decisions. So you want that free course, go to disasteravoidanceexperts.com forward slash subscribe, making the wisest decisions, disasteravoidanceexperts.com forward slash subscribe. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. We know it's incredibly valuable. This has been Seth Green for Sharkpreneur with Dr. Gleb Sapersky of Never Go With Your Gut and Disaster Avoidance Expert. Thank you so much, Dr. Gleb. Thank you so much for inviting me back, Seth. Thanks everybody for watching or listening and we'll see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.